Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. What is going on, folks? Welcome Monday on the Fairways of Life show. However, this show is obviously being recorded on Sunday night. I'm sitting next to Paul Eels, a winner on the European Tour and a dear friend who's been taking good care of me all week here in Southeast England. We've actually been housemates this week along with another legend named Ron Jones. If you're a football fan, a soccer fan, if you please, uh, you would know the name of Ron Jones and his legendary broadcast career. We may look like we just got run over by a train, and that's because we've both been out in the golf course all week and what was really interesting was I had Jordan Spieth's group today here's here's my score sheet Frank can you can you guys see that this is my score sheet from what took place with Jordan today Eelsie and Ron were assigned to the group that were behind me I was penultimate group and you were the, you were the final group you had Colin Morikawa and Louis was tasing what an incredible day so I guess I, I I'm not even sure where to start with with everything all I, where well, would you start? You'd start at the at the beginning, which was Louis took a one-stroke lead yeah. into the final round, and finally loosening my tie. By the way, yeah, you need to just loosen up, Matt. We're, we've done now. <laughs> so, except for this, yeah, except for this, of course, the most important thing. <laughs> and uh, so, going along nicely, Louis started off okay, uh, and Colin was there. Nothing really happening. And then number four, they both missed the green. Louis didn't get it up and down. Colin hold a big putt to tie the scores. And then the biggest change on that front nine was on hole number seven, a par five. Louis hit it in the greenside trap in two. He came out of the greenside trap, thinned it across the green into the oh. other greenside trap, played back on two putts, six. Colin Morikawa made four and then went birdie at eight, birdie at nine, five shots different. So it wasn't really run the race from Louis, but... Um, you know, Colin really took the championship in his grasp. It's interesting because that same hole in my group, Jordan Spieth eagled that hole, and it looked like things were were starting to change very quickly. So we're going to be talking with Paul about what his observations were of this young man that is now a multiple-time major champion, what this means in terms of its place of history and what it meant in terms of how he filled his time and place as he competed in that final round. It was incredibly impressive. You are going to hear from Colin Morikawa today right here on the Fairways of Life show, but that's not it. You're also going to hear from Jordan Spieth. They're full pressers, unedited from stem to stern, exactly what their feelings and emotions were and are following this 149th Open. You're also going to hear from other contenders all coming up on the show today. So we have a great busy show for you while this show is airing around the world at 8 a.m. Eastern time, like we do Monday through Friday and then on demand for everybody. I'm planning on being on a plane going back across the Atlantic to be back with you and, and to celebrate the season's last major on the men's side of the game. And it was so exciting. So, Paul, let's pick up with that. You describe what you were seeing, at least from a competitive standpoint, in when the tides may have started to turn at that par five. What did you see from Colin Morikawa? I know you had a chance to, because Ilzi uh, was doing the TV for the Scottish Open last week, too. When did you get a chance to see this young man play, and what were your impressions then versus what you saw today, if they were different? Well, the first time I got to see him was in Renaissance last week in Scotland, and on the practice ground, it was a stripe show. It was sensational. I came away and I said to guys in the booth, 
I've just watched that Morikawa. I'm giving the game up. I can't just replicate anything like that. He was sensational. But come Sunday, he was playing alongside Tyrrell Hatton, and he had a shocker with the putter. And, and it was embarrassing, really. And I was embarrassed for him. He was so poor until 18, and he holed a putt from 30 feet. He couldn't get the ball in the hole, near the hole, oh, that's with the flat stick. And I thought, whoa, this is going to be really interesting. But, of course, eight single putt greens in the final round to win the Open Championship. What resilience this young man had because the, the, the travails that he had last Sunday would enough to put anybody off. And so great resilience from him. But ball striking, we know. Um, but he, he, he can put when he needs to put. And he holds three great putts to save par today. It's interesting. I, w- I was just going to mention the stat. He's, he's total putts first in the field. Uh, Jordan was six, interestingly, and John Rahm, who I'm sure we'll mention too, is 53rd. And there you can see the scorecard for Colin Morikawa for those of you that are watching us around the world on the television side. I love the fact that, you know, we're talking about the glory that, that is this, this triumph, but you specifically just brought up the importance of, and it seems to become even more acute at majors, doesn't it? Saving those pars. Absolutely right. It's the mistakes you don't make. And he didn't make any, any mistakes at all on the scorecard. You know, bogey-free, uh, 66, four birdies. Uh, that hat-trick of birdies, seven, eight, nine, really set him on the way. But it was a superb up and down from a horrid spot right of the 10th green that settled him down. Louis then made birdie at 11. It didn't really shock him. And and just Colin went forward and, and another got up and down on hole number 15. And he was, well, champion golfer of the year. Yeah, champion golfer of the, de- the year indeed. Now, in my group with with Jordan Spieth, and I mentioned this, we're going to talk about Jordan in a little bit, but my group, Jordan had a bogey at four. He had a bogey at six, and then he eagled seven, as we just said, and he kind of went on a tear. Was there any sense that you had that, that whether it was Louie or whether that it was Colin, that they had any idea what was going on in any other part of the course, or were they so singular and resolute in what they were doing? No, they, they were mad. I mean, Louis, you could expect to be shell-shocked after what had happened at seven and then the three birdies from Colin on top of that. But it didn't really affect him. And, and Colin Morikawa just went through the process with his caddy every single hole from the first right through to 18. And whatever they'd worked out between themselves from that Sunday at Renaissance to coming here and playing round one on Thursday, it was a magical recipe because... They just hit that same thing all the time. It was like, well, this is what we do. I'm going to pick that spot, and then I'm going to roll the ball over that spot. And if I hit it at the right pace, it's going to go in the hole or finish very, very close. And that seemed to be what they were doing. Of course, we've heard the dialogue on the TV, haven't we? You know, they're going through the yardages, where it needs to bounce, what's the line that they're going to choose, where's the places not to go. So we've heard all that. But what was really interesting that I hadn't seen at Scotland was that the time that they spent picking a spot on the green where Colin was going to roll the ball across. And he did that from one through 18. It's I, to me, it's interesting that you're competing this coming week in the senior open at, at Sunningdale. And you just covered a 24 year old that won his second major championship. So can I ask the question, did Paul Eels, who will be competing in a major championship in his own right this week, learn something from a 24-year-old? Oh, for sure. You, you, you never stop learning, do you, Matt? I mean, that's a, that's a great game of golf. We're all on this journey to mastery that we'll never get to the end of. 
but that is what is so special about our game that you can always learn and, and could and, and that was the one thing that I heard at, at Collins presser prior to playing in the Scottish Open was the fact that he was over in Europe for the first time to learn. He was in Scotland to learn Lynx golf. And he was going to use that week and he was going to use the experiences of the European tour players to help him learn, which we can go back to maybe 1996 and a young man called Tiger Woods did the same thing. Wow. Speaking of Tiger Woods, I do want to talk about some of the historic bullet points of of what he accomplished. He is the first ever to win two major championships in his debut. And when you think about all the great major champions on the men's side of the game, just let that nugget of history kind of sink in for a second. He's a fast learner. Oh, it's he? unbelievable what you, you say. His, yeah. his, uh, the last to win in, in an open debut, I should note, was Ben Curtis. That was right here, right here at, yeah. at, at this golf course. He joins only eight others to win in their debut, and that's outside, of course, the first Open that was held in 1860. You guys know that he won the 2020 PGA Championship. That was the other major that he won in his debut. Now, this speaks to what you're talking about with ball striking, because I want to talk to you about technique in a second. He leads the PGA Tour in strokes gained approach and strokes gained tee to green. He has the best greens and regulation percentage in majors. He has the highest driving accuracy uh, percentage in majors, and as you know, in those majors in 2021, tied for 18th at the Masters, tied for eighth at the PGA Championship, and tied for fourth at the U.S. Open. When you were at the Scottish Open last week, Ilzi, because remember I was in quarantine, so Ilzi was sending me pictures and texts and, and saying, "Hey, how are you doing? Do you need anything?" And blah blah blah. You were sending me, ironically, photos of Colin Morikawa on the practice ground on the driving range. Obviously, you saw something with his swing. Could you kind of describe it to us from a technical standpoint of what you were watching and you like so much? It wasn't so much looking at the methodology of, of, of the golf swing. It was the ball flight and the consistency of how this ball launched and the neutral flight that it had. And, you know, if it was going to fall to the left, it would just a yard or two. If it was going <laughs> to fall to the right in a fade, it would do that. But it was the it was the launch, the strike, the consistency of the pattern of the the trajectory that was so impressive and he didn't miss and he went through the bag like that. What was interesting though, Maddie, I didn't see him spending much time on the putting green. Go figure that one out. But he was actually trying to, to hit the little running shots with the three wood. He had the, he looked okay, but just the long shaft of the three wood and he was trying to hit these long putts today. The pitch shots that he had around the green, he didn't employ that shot once. It was all the shots and the lies that he had meant that he could be comfortable and, and have loft, which he's used to playing on the PGA Tour. So the pitch shots that he had at home was something that was a little more familiar and he didn't use the ground that he did, should we say, unsuccessfully in Scotland last week. It's all fascinating what Colin Morikawa was able to accomplish, and he accomplished it, as you heard me allude to earlier, against the backdrop that there were some world-class players doing some world-class things around him. Surely you guys could, I know you could because of the radio coverage we were doing, but surely you guys could hear the sounds just drifting over the entire golf course. John Rahm took a run at him. That that was a great one. Very, very passion-fueled, such as it is with John Rahm. Uh, in my group, uh, Jordan Spieth took a run at him. That that was very impressive. And yet, from what I could tell, now, now granted, 
I didn't have the eyes that, that you at home probably had on the television side or the ears on the radio side listening to us. All I had was our voices that were on site here. But everything that I could see, because you guys were the group behind me and I got a chance to, to watch some of it, Paul, I just saw such dignity and such poise. He, To my eye, he never seemed to be rattled or nervous ever. What was it like to yours? Absolutely. As you say, Maddie, every single shot, it looked like well, this is a unique set of circumstances that I have to be totally absorbed in to get the result that I want. And that's how it seemed to go. He worked with the caddy. Uh, sorry, forgive me, I don't know the, the, the caddy's name, but you know, he was a huge part in what Colin did over the week because... They discussed it. Okay, let's... And, and when Colin got over that golf ball, he was totally absorbed in, this is what I need to do on this one shot. And it never looked at any time that he was getting ahead of himself, and he just played in the moment. And that was really, really impressive. There were a lot of, obviously, interviews done before the start of this Open. Uh, some of them of note, including uh, with Brooks Kepka, who played really well in the final round, too. And Brooks talked about the golf course. He wasn't It wasn't really his cup of tea to use a, a parlance here at, in, in Great Britain. Uh, didn't express any great love for the course. How do you think this golf course showed through this Open, and, and what does it say about Royal St. George's? Well, this particular week, there were a great set of circumstances in terms of a climate. So uh, at the early part of the spring, they had lots of rain uh, and lots of sunshine. So the, the rough really grew and we were walking through it all week, Maddie, weren't mm-hmm. we? The fairways were generous, but because of the nature of them rolling humps and hollows and I described them as buried elephants okay. and, and unmade duvet type things, that even if you hit the ball from the tee and it landed in the center of the fairway, you couldn't guarantee it was going to finish on the fairway. So there was a lot of patience required from the guys, but I thought the golf course didn't play quite as fire as it could have done. Hence, we've had the scores that we've done. The players had a little trouble with the pace of the greens. They're not quite as quick as they would normally be on a PGA Tour or a European Tour. But also the undulations within the greens meant that they were quite slow. So you had big breaking putts that were slow and it threw a lot of the players off in terms of the pace. Paul, on the more kind of esoteric or even philosophical, if you please, side, this year we were able to have the four majors again. Uh, and on the PJ Tour, because of the wraparound season, we actually had six majors. But in the calendar year, we had the four majors back in their traditional spots again, including this one, which we couldn't have last year because of the global pandemic. Uh, how do you see that in terms of, of is there importance to that on, on a, from a global perspective, from a fan's perspective? Yeah, I think for all golf fans, it, it makes you feel great, doesn't it? You, you, the anticipation of a major championship and all the great players in the world competing against each other, uh, that, that, that gives you a lift. But I, I just think, Maddie, that um, you know we, we had the spectators on the course this week. We had the sunshine. We had the noises. We had the pockets of roars that I remember as a child when Niklaus was playing and these things. And, and and from all around the course, you heard these different roars. Jonathan Jigger Thompson, who had a hole in one, we were out there. And that huge roar from 16 with no fans, you don't get that. So I think the players really did appreciate the fact that when they were hitting some quality shots, there was some some feedback for them. And uh, just having those, uh, it's a huge lift for everybody that we get out of this horrible pandemic that we're currently in. Who's Nick Klaus, by the way? Nick Klaus, Jack, you know? <laughs> yeah. Ah. yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so 
this turn, this uh, championship obviously was brilliant. We had a great time. It, Having had Colin Morikawa win, and now a second major, and Jordan Spieth was in the mix, and John Rahm was in the mix, you probably know where I'm going with this. Right around the corner, we've got a Ryder Cup coming up. How exciting was this? And and both captains have to try to figure out who they're going to put on their team that may not, because remember, in the U.S. side, they've got six picks, yep. and Jordan wasn't amongst them. I haven't seen the, the Ryder Cup uh, numbers are going to come out by the time I'm on the plane, but... Do you think that this major helped kind of clear up any gray areas or made it even worse? No, I would think as each week goes along, the, the both captains will have more data. Uh, I know that's a big thing that's coming into golf now, isn't it? So they'll be able to look at that again. Podrig was here playing, so he's had the chance to play practice rounds alongside some of the potentials and obviously draws are made that he can play alongside the guys in tournaments. Victor Hovland, he's played with uh, on a Victor few Hovland. occasions. Yeah. So uh, I think it's, it's, it's been a good sounding board for the captains, both captains, to, to, to look at who it is because it's a big responsibility. Yes, six players play in or eight players play in, but they've still got that responsibility of choosing those next guys and winning some points for them. And, and as we saw in previous Ryder Cups, um, the U.S. picks haven't really added to the points table as the European picks have done. So it'll be interesting to see come September. Thank you for stirring the pot with that last comment. That yeah, you no problem. <laughs> Go Europe. <laughs> it's been a great week with this guy. Thank you very much for everything. My you pleasure as always, Muddy. Absolute delight. And win the Senior Open this week. Good luck. I'd love to be there Sunday. I hope you are there Sunday. Uh, that's Paul Eels, a winner on the European Tour, and as you just heard, going to be competing in his own major coming up this week at a very historic golf course. PXG.com, so you can make some history of your own. Their new Gen 4 clubs are the best technology that they have ever produced. You can go to PXG.com for more information or simply dial 844-CALL-PXG to get your fitting Today, it is the nth degree of fitting. And speaking about fitting, make sure that you're playing the right golf ball. BridgestoneGolf.com can get you V-Fit right on the website. Just go on there. It'll give you all the details, exactly how to do it, so that the one piece of equipment you're going to use in every shot you can make sure is the one piece of equipment that's perfectly fit for you. My chances are every piece of equipment that you have is fit for you in some way, even if it's just shaft flex, except for the golf ball, which a lot of people find in the mud or under a tree and just decide to play it. It is the most important piece of equipment you have. Make sure it's right for you. BridgestoneGolf.com will get it done. When we come back, we're going to talk about and hear from Jordan Spieth, as well as contenders at this 149th Open. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tee times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours, and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles. And they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. 
I'm Tiger Woods, and I chose Bridgetone. I wanted to be with a company that I knew, and then on top of that, that made superior product. So I did. I came back and I started playing with the Bridgetone Tour BXS, and it's allowed me to maintain the spin and the feel I like around the greens, especially my short irons, but also to have that penetrating flight through the wind. The aerodynamics have been phenomenal. I know the quality that Bridgetone has, R&D that's available to them, and what they were able to create that to help me win golf tournaments. Even though we're in Texas, we don't believe that bigger is always better. At Ben Hogan Golf, we believe in something called micromanufacturing, a concept Mr. Hogan taught us long ago. It's a belief that handcrafting golf clubs one at a time to your exacting specifications is the reason we make some of the best quality and best performing equipment in the world. And we don't believe in big prices. That's why we only sell directly to you at BenHoganGolf.com. Let me ask you a question. Are you in pain on the golf course? You know, pain management is a crisis in America. It affects over 100 million people and 35% of golfers. But now we can do something about it. BioFit 360 is a new company here to help us manage and alleviate that pain naturally. They've developed a formula that safely extracts CBD from the hemp plant and utilizes all of its healing properties to help us. They have a relief cream, they have gummies, they have sleep aids, and much more. It will change the way you feel on the golf course and in life. All you need to do is head to BioFit360.com. Feel better, do better, be better. Hi, I'm Brian Hammonds. You country club members can now represent your club and compete in a Ryder Cup style event. The inaugural Country Club National Championship presented by Fuzzy's Ultra Premium Vodka. It's October 12th through the 17th at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. The field is limited, so don't delay. For more information, go to ccncgolf.com. That's ccncgolf.com. I hope to see you and your team in Orlando. Streamsong is so special with three top 100 U.S. courses designed by four legendary architects. Tom Doak's Blue Course, Bill Core and Ben Crenshaw's Red Course, and Gil Hansen's Black Course. Secluded by thousands of acres, the greatest golf stories are lived, not told. Streamsongresort.com Welcome back to the 149th Open here at Royal St. George's. We are recording this show immediately in the wake of the victory by Colin Morikawa. Such an impressive victory, such as it was. I was assigned to Jordan Spieth's group today. Actually, I was assigned to Jordan Spieth all weekend. I had him yesterday, too, and he's such a unique player. He's so exciting to see and to watch. And when Jordan started out, and today he he bogeyed the fourth, he bogeyed the sixth. So now he's two over through six holes. And you're like, yeah, maybe, maybe the race is run for for Jordan Spieth. Then he eagles the seventh with two brilliant shots. That that was, he had two thirty eight left. The hope today, the the par five seventh. You can see my scoring sheet that I'm I'm referencing here with my information. The par five seventh was playing five hundred and sixty one yards. The hole was cut 18 paces from the front and only six paces from the left side. Jordan hit such a beautiful drive. He had 238 left. And I was working with Reese Davies, who you may know, a multiple-time winner on the European Tour. And, and Reese told me that because it, was start, it had dried out so much and it was playing so hard, that he thought that he was probably coming in with, with what he said with as little as a five-iron 
into that, and he hit it tight. And from there, of course, he made that eagle. He then went on to birdie the ninth hole. Now, the ninth hole is a 403-yard par four, and the hole was cut 14 paces on and precisely 10 paces uh, from each side, so meaning it was in the middle. And he only had 92 yards left on his approach shot. Of course, it ended up being a birdie there. He wasn't done yet. At the 10th hole, which is a really unique par four, they hit into the start of, of a grade that goes up. Then it kind of goes over this, what, what obviously was a bank of dunes, down into the crosswalk walk area. And then from there, it goes right straight back up again to a perched, very exposed green that falls off sharply on each side. Well, Jordan at that hole, which was 32 paces from the front, five on the right-hand side, 403 yards, as I mentioned, he only had 116 yards left from the right semi. And that right semi was interesting because I asked Reese about what he thought about the, the lie, and he said, I think it actually helps him because otherwise it gets so tight with those fescue fairways that he had just a tiny bit of pad under him. Well, it served him well because he hit it tight and he made a birdie there. At the 13th, he made another birdie. That's a 451-yard par four, 22 paces on, eight from the left side from 124. He had a huge drive, 124 yards. He was able to convert a birdie on that one. On the 14th hole, now this is interesting. The 14th hole is the par five. It runs along and out of bounds on the right-hand side, and that was the hole that, yeah, 10 years ago, DJ hit at OB on Sunday and effectively took himself out of contention when Darren Clark won. Well, and then there's a Prince's Golf Course on the other side of that, which also hosted an Open years and years and years and years ago. But nonetheless, it's over there. It was classic because the people were over there. They had their push guards, and they were playing golf. And they'd stop and then take some pictures, and, and then they'd go and hit their shot. It was classic. So on 14... Jordan had some trouble on the tee at 14 throughout the course of the week. At least twice, he hit it deep into the rough on the left side. So at this hole, which was 554 yards, he hit a driving iron. So he left himself with 304 yards into the green. And from there, you know, if you've got pot bunkers he's got to worry about in terms of laying it up short unless you hit it very straight, well, he hit it pretty darn straight. He left himself about 70 yards in front. From there, he pitched it up beautifully makes the birdie at 14. All right, now he's 13 under par. And at that point, again, you got me with, with, with and Reese with uh, Jordan. We were with Corey Connors as well from Canada uh, in that group. And then you've got Ron and Eelzy are behind us with the final group. And we all can hear everything that's going on. So we, we know the significance of what's happening. And we're thinking to ourselves, well, 16 is a hole that Jordan could birdie. It's 155-yard par three. It, you know, I think it's not a, a terribly uh, over-the-top uh, difficult hole. The 17th, if you get your, your second shot on the putting surface, you have a good shot at birdie, and he did have a very good shot at birdie. And even 18 is a 457-yard par four that has opportunities. Well, ultimately, Jordan was unable to convert on any of those. And remember that Jordan, uh, particularly yesterday, kind of lost the plot a little bit, kind of lost his focus, and uh, Jordan bogeyed both 17 and 18, you might recall, and he missed some putts that I think probably will have him waking up for a little while because they were relatively short putts that he was unable to convert. So my wonder is for Jordan Spieth, in the immediate wake of this Open, 
does he look at it as an open that Colin Morikawa won, or does he view it as an open that he lost? Does he measure it against how close he was to victory, or does he measure it against what he did not do in order to accomplish his own triumph? Here is Jordan Spieth addressing the media. Uh, joined by the runner-up in the 149th Open, Jordan Spieth. Jordan, not quite the result you would have hoped for today. Um, can you sum up how you're feeling just now? Yeah, it's hard to be um, hard to be upset when I was a couple over through six. I, you know, I very I couldn't have really done much more after that point. But the finish yesterday um, was about as upset as I've taken um, a finish of a round to the house. I mean, I walked in and wanted to. I said, "Is there something that I can break?" And I, mean, I just. I knew that that was so important because I would have been in the final group. And anyway, um, had to regroup uh, 18 hours later and and then just had a lot of in-between clubs. And you have to be so precise here. You need some good numbers. And um, and then uh, kind of fatted it off six and went to seven thinking, uh, okay, now, you know, um, we're going for everything and this is – we're going to see what happens, and I'm very proud to go proud of going six under in the last 12 in this golf tournament and putting some pressure on Colin. And from what I've heard since, you know, he made, I guess, uh, he made a big par save on 10, made a putt up the ridge on 14, and a par save on 15. And um, I needed a break, and I didn't get it um, from him, and um, I did all I could. So uh, I'm upset because. I really felt like I played well enough to win and made a couple really dumb mistakes that possibly if I had maybe played the week before and wouldn't have made, um, like just stepping in and missing my couple footer on 18 yesterday, not really thinking about it. And then, um, but uh, at the same time, I did everything I could in the past few hours to, to win this championship. Okay, we'll take questions from the floor if you raise your hand. Okay, back right, please. Uh, hi, Jordan. And did you have real concerns about your, your putting last night that you needed to sort of shake off, or was it more of a little mental lapse? No, my, my putting is not where I want it to be at all. Um, I say at all. It's progressing the right direction, but um, it's not where it has been, and I know what it needs to do to get there, and it's just very difficult to do, but it's rounds like today or this week, major championship rounds where – you have to obviously test not only your touch out here, but also um, a lot of knobs and breaking putts and truss lines. Um, it's a good test for it, and it, I just I just wasn't extremely sharp with the putter this week. Um, I was sharper than I was at, at Augusta, um, and it's been a little bit kind of here and there this year. My bad weeks have still been okay, and my good ones are really good, but um, I needed to, to put in a little bit of work trying to almost – get a solid couple hundred to 500 putts in between yesterday's finish to today's round to think that I could go out and confidently go um, stroke enough to win. Okay, next question, John, in the back row. At what point last night did you get over the end of your third round, or if it was last night or, or this morning? Probably after dinner. I mean, it was just, it was so, you know, I was 60 yards out in the fairway and made bogey on 17, and then I, I had a good look you know, up straight up the hill on 18. I mean, I finished two over on those holes, which what was frustrating was the separation that it would have been. It would have been three of us separated by at least um, three shots from the field, and I would have been in the final group. So it was kind of a double whammy there where you feel like you're not worried about someone going low behind you as much 
and you feel in control um, when you're in the final group. And so that was a new one for me. Um, but uh, I would say after dinner and, you know, I mean, what good does it do to be upset? I mean, you come out today and I kind of came out with the, yes, I should be in the last, I should be leading the tournament is how I felt. Um, but now I get to play the, with the chasers mentality, which sometimes can be with a bit more freedom. Was it not being in the final group that bothered you the most, it sounds like it was? Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, you know, I've been in, in that position a lot of times, and it's just, it's a lot nicer when stuff's happening in front of you and you can control, you can still birdie that hole versus, you know, I get off the 16th today and I'm like, well, you know, they could birdie behind and there's nothing I can do about it now. Um, when you're the last to come in, um, you've, got, you've got the last chance on 18, and that's, I, I think that's the easiest place to come from. Okay, next Especially when it's easier conditions. I mean, if we had wind and rain and all that, then, you know, obviously, as this tournament has showed at this venue, it's nice to post. Um, but that wasn't going to be the case today. Okay, the next question from the left. Hi, Jordan. Just a question about Sandwich and the location. How much have you enjoyed being here and being in this Ken Golf course? Yeah, I mean, we unfortunately are not able to explore. Um, but I did enjoy this golf course from when I first played 12 holes last Sunday. And uh, I thought that it, had, it was quirky in a, in a fun way. Um, I think we only late today did we start to see the wind that, you know, the course is designed, I think, to play in. So I don't think we got the same tests that those guys have had in years past. Um, but even saying that, it, it, each hole provided its own kind of unique way to play it because of that. And I thought, I thought that the RNA did a, just a fantastic job of allowing the scores to happen. I mean, the pins were on some pretty diabolical locations, but um, it stayed, I think, didn't let it get out of hand firm to where you had no chance and it became luck or bounce dependent. I think it was it stayed in a, a position where um, you could really golf your ball, and if you happen to make birdies and 15 under does win, then so be it because we don't normally get this nice of conditions at the Open Championship. Okay, next question from the front. Uh, Jordan, you said um, that Colin didn't give you a break that you needed, and he's also made a bit of history today, you know, winning two majors on his debut. What does that tell you about the, the player that he is and the player that he can or will become? Yeah, I don't think that there's anything I need to even say about it that hasn't already been talked about or um, that he's certainly proven. Uh, I think I would say less is more at this point. Stay down the path he's on. Um, he swings the club beautifully, gets it in positions that make it very, very difficult to not start the ball online, and therefore he's going to be very consistent tee to green. And then clearly um, with the, the shots he's hit and the putts he's hold, um, he's not afraid of high-pressure situations and, and winning major championship with, with him. And uh, is he 21? Is that – how old is he? I don't even know. At 24? At 24, um, it's – it's obviously a, there's a bright future ahead that's pretty special. I mean, I think winning one, you know, can happen to a lot of people playing really good golf in one week, and then I think winning, winning two, three more um, or more, it's, I mean, he's obviously proven that this stage is what he, you know, he, where he wants to be. It's strange for someone so young to win. When he got to 15 under, he just didn't let go, did he? So he got a grip on it. No, I'm very aware of that, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you yeah. are. Okay, we do have some questions on Zoom. Um, Liv, go ahead. Thank you. And our first question comes from Adam Shupak, please. Thanks, Jordan. I have a couple for you. 
TV showed you uh, showed video of you arriving at the course and you had your putter with you. What did you do with it last night? Well, we're all staying together anyways, and Michael took um, the bag, and I wanted to hit some putts on a putting rail that you can't use on the greens here because there's too much, you need flat surface, and it's not uncommon for me to do that. Um, So I just wanted, he he went to the course early, and I just wanted to hit a few putts before, on the putting rail before I came over, a rail that I've used for a few years now. Thank you, and our next question is from Mark Canizaro. Hey, Jordan, um, you know, you won majors, you won two majors out of your first 10 tries. This is now two out of eight for, for Colin. I wonder if you can just recollect what you felt like when you won that second major and, and kind of what was ahead for you. Um, that's a good question. I think uh, I felt, I guess, obviously very pleased, but almost like, um, almost felt like, wow, you know, I almost thought like, oh, wow, that's good timing, you know, like you're playing well week in and week out, he's won other golf tournaments, but wow, that's good timing. I think what's interesting with Colin too is, um, and this doesn't really answer your question, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, his other wins had come with little to no crowds, uh, a few of his other wins, and then some with modified crowds, and then you step into 35,000 um, and holding a lead down the stretch, I think is really impressive considering that's a first, not only first Open Championship, but given the timing of, you know, when he's been out here, he spent, you know, a year, year and a half of that um, in in essentially a crowdless environment, and then it, and it's not as, it's, it's, it's harder. It's harder with big crowds. Um, you feel it more. You know where you are. It's it's a bigger stage, and I think that's impressive. Um, I, I don't really recall. I, I mean, when I won my second, we still had, you know, we were just getting into the season, and I remember going then and, and was on a streak. I won my next tournament the John Deere and went to the Open Championship to try and win three in a row. And, um, and, and almost, I, um, I just remember it kind of, the game, everything was easy. Everything was fun. Things are going your way. Um, everything's very smooth and uh, I think it's certainly not going to be the case over the course of a career but he's got the potential to be able and the game to and the head to be able to to manage any kind of bumps in the roads Okay everyone, that, that's all we've got time for this evening Jordan, well played and thanks for your time thanks. Okay, so Jordan Spieth addressing the media after the finish of the 149th Open. And what John has put together for us now is kind of a collage of the contenders at this 149th Open and their thoughts after the conclusion. Not that I'm asking to make every putt, but I really struggle making putts outside really eight feet, right? Um, Even if you take today, uh, I did make the long one on 15, but besides that, every birdie putt I had was short and even the eagle one, right? Uh, There was a lot of chances out there that... You know, I could have made or that I know that guys up there ahead of me are making. But at the end of the day, you know, still really good showing. Uh, play really good golf all week and, you know, too bad I'm going to end up just shy. Yeah, uh, I'm still going to smile because I gave it my all, finished really, really strong and gave myself the best chance I could. Having got in on Monday morning, I think I couldn't have asked for much more. Just to be in contention on the weekend was my goal and I think I more than did that. Had a struggle on 11 today, but... Besides that, it was pretty plain sailing. I'm really proud of the way I handled everything. Secured your place into the 150th next year, so that must uh, 
be a nice <laughs> I didn't even know that. My caddy and I were talking about it. Top five used to get you in every major the next year. Not true anymore, but I guess it gets you back in the Open the following year. So St. Andrews, that's, that's going to be awesome. I love that place, and any Open championship by me is tons of fun. Didn't play good enough Saturday. Uh, it, it doesn't really matter what I finished today. I didn't, I didn't have a chance to win, so um, that's disappointing. I just you know, would have liked to have the one in 18, birdie the par 5, 14 on the back, and um, you know, 10 it lipped out. And, but look, played solid today. Uh, can't complain. Just wish, wish I could have yesterday back. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have a, too much of a worse start, but can I try to tell myself that everyone in the field today was going to make, make some bogeys? And it kind of helped early on when I saw a few guys not get off to the best starts either. Um, you know, a few guys were one and two over through like four or five holes. So I knew that there were other guys that were having troubles too. So that kind of helped. And I just tried to kind of stick to the game plan and I knew I'd get my share if I just stayed patient, and uh, luckily I got a few coming in. And you know, to shoot under par today when I really didn't have my stuff at all, um, you know, felt pretty good. Yeah, I felt like I played you know really well today. Obviously, just missed a couple short putts. You know, felt like I, I hit good putts. Just you know, ball wobbled a little bit there on you know three, four, and then fifteen. But other than that, uh, I played really, really solid. Gave myself a lot of opportunities. You know, yesterday just had a you know bad stretch of holes there. Just you know, swing got a little funky on, you know, just hit some poor shots. But other than that, I felt like I swung it good, played well all week. But just had you know, you know, seven holes there in the middle of my round yesterday where I, you know, just did not play very good golf, and that kind of you know kind of knocked me out of the tournament. But. Other than that, yeah, I mean, I had a really good week. You know, hit a lot of great shots, and you know, I'm happy with where the game is. Obviously, you know, going into next week, I got a lot of confidence. So, looking for a good good week. So, after what you've already heard and what you've already seen, which was such a tremendous week, and it was so exciting to have the Open again in light of everything that's going on around the world. When we come back, you are going to hear from the champion golfer of the year, Colin Morikawa, right here on the Fairways of Life show. And I cannot wait to hear what his thoughts were immediately following his victory at Royal St. George's. I know your thoughts about Tour Edge products have to be good ones because they have products that's within reach of everyone, pound for pound, the best value anywhere in the game. They have a massive product line. So whatever it is you're looking for, whatever it is you need, you know that you can get custom fit. You know you're going to be covered by a lifetime warranty. TourEdge.com is a great place to get started. TourEdge products, amongst all the other great products in the golf industry, are available at the PGA Tour Superstore, our presenting sponsor of the Fairways of Life show. PGA Tour Superstore is the number one golf retailer in America, and they're number one because you're dealing with professionals. You're dealing with people who are vested in your best interest in making sure that what you get for your golf game is perfect just for you. PGATourSuperstore.com is a great way there, too, to get started just by going to their website or visiting any of their nearly 50 stores spread out throughout North America because they are awesome. So, too, was the victory by Colin Morikawa. We're going to find out just how awesome he thought it was after these words. If I told you legends like Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross have designed and inspired more than 10 breathtaking courses and they're all in one place, would you believe me? 
Where is this special place? How far do I have to travel for this golfing nirvana? The answer could both surprise and delight you. It's right around the corner in the heartland of the country. It's Boyne Golf in Northern Michigan. It's a destination so special, so unique, that you'll think you're playing golf on a work of art along the cliffs of the Monterey Peninsula or the raw, sweeping landscapes of Scotland. From elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled golf vacation experience. Log on to BoyneGolf.com and see why they're at the heart of America's summer golf capital. Come to where history meets luxury at the family-friendly French Lick Springs Hotel, where there's something for everyone, from kids' fest to shopping, bowling, golf, and other outdoor activities. Or at the West Baden Springs Hotel, you can wrap yourself in old-world elegance, visit our luxurious spa, indulge in an afternoon tea, a historic tour, and multiple sophisticated dining options. Then... Finish your day with a cozy carriage ride before turning in for sweet dreams. Only this isn't a dream. Visit FrenchLick.com to plan your vacation today. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the all-new Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try the new Tour B. The Tour Ball. Reinvented. Let's face it, there's no better feeling than getting new golf gear, and where you get your golf gear matters. PJ Tour Superstore is America's number one golf retailer. Whatever you're looking for, they have it. And you can get custom fit. You can shop online or safely in their stores. At the PJ Tour Superstore, you'll always find golf's biggest brands and all the latest equipment right at your fingertips. If you need it or want it, they've got it. Log on to PGATourSuperstore.com to upgrade your game today. So I'm delighted to welcome our champion golfer of the year, Colin Morikawa. Uh, Colin, firstly, congratulations. A tremendous performance this week, a 15-under par total of, of 265. What's been the secret for you this week, and how does it feel to lift that, that famous old trophy? Uh, the secret? Um, well, I never do this, but I had a burger for four straight days, so my body's probably feeling it. Um, I know my body's feeling it. Um, but I, you know, I think I just enjoy these moments and I talk about it so much that we love what we do. Um, and you have to embrace it. You know, you have to be excited about these opportunities. And that's how I looked at it today, especially coming down the stretch was I'm excited. And, um, uh, in my possession for a year, I believe, uh, I'm excited to have it. (laughs) Well, that's great. Thank you. We'll take the question from the, the front, please. Hi, Colin. Congratulations. Um, when we spoke to you last night and we were talking about the possibility of a, two, you know, a, a two-way shootout, you were saying it's not about head-to-head, it's not about making history. You've now made history as the first player to win two majors on their debut. So I just wonder if you could talk to us what it is like to make history and also does it mean you'll only win a maximum of four, of four majors? 
I hope not. Um, you know, I, I think when you make history, and I'm 24 years old, um, it's hard to grasp and it's hard to really take it in. Um, you know, I, a quick little side note was, you know, when Phil won the PGA, he's fit, or I think he's 50 years old, right? Um, I didn't look at him as, you know, this old guy winning. I, I looked at him as still competition that could really play well. You know, if he put everything together, which he did, he could play well and win. Um, so at 24, it's so hard to look back at the, the short two years that I've been a pro and see what I've done um, because I want more. You know, it's, it's so early on, and I, I enjoy these moments, and I love it, and I think I need to teach myself to embrace it a little more, maybe spend a few extra days uh, sitting back and, and drinking out of this. Um, but, yeah, I need to – yeah, I, I just want more. You know, when, you, when you're in these moments – and you truly love what you do, which I, I love playing golf and competing against these guys. Um, these are the best moments ever because the nerves push you to just be a better person. And, and what drink will be going in there? I don't know. I, you know, it's JJ's birthday. I'm going to let him decide. You're probably too young to drink, aren't you? In... Uh, you know, I'll drink anything. Um, I, we've been staying at the hotel right, right by the course, and every night I see all the caddies drink, and I'm like, man, I really want to really drink. But <laughs> I, 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 hold back on, I hold back on tournament week, so... Um, let rip yeah. tonight, yeah? We'll see, yeah. Let loose tonight. Yeah, we got to make a flight, but yeah, we'll make a... F- <laughs> we'll be fine. <laughs> okay, next question. Back left, Ewan, please. Colin, c- congratulations. Um, here. Um, right back left. Everyone remarks on how calm and collected and cool you look on the golf course and what was presumably quite a intense, high-pressure situation. Are you actually that calm and collected? Are you jumping up and down inside? Or, or if you are so calm... How do you manage to, to, to feel that way? Yeah, well, I'm glad I look calm because um, the nerves are definitely up there. <clears throat> but, you know, you channel these nerves into excitement, into energy, and, and that, that puts you away from, like, a fear factor into, you know, this is something I want. So that's how I look at it, you know, especially as those last nine holes were coming in. Jordan was making birdies. I think Rom was pushing. Louie had a birdie on 11, an amazing birdie. Um, you, you know, you can't worry about the score. I had to worry about every shot. Can I execute every shot to the best of my ability? Um, some we did, some we didn't, and then you move on. You know, we can't control what's going to happen, what has happened. Um, so I really looked at that as just focus on every shot. How do I see what is the best shot possible? And um, try and do my best from there. Okay, next question. Mark, <clears throat> right to the back, please. Colin, well played. You spoke on Friday about the importance of the Scottish Open, getting yourself in the position. When you Last Sunday, I think you were four or five over after five or six holes, did you genuinely feel then that you could become Open champion a week later? And have you signed up now to the Scottish Open for the rest of your life? <laughs> uh, well, I'm not making any promises here. Um, but, yeah, I still felt like, you know, I, I, if I made the right changes, um, I could come out here and win. And the Scottish Open last week at Renaissance was, you know, different from Royal St. George's this week. Um, but it still had that same turf, you know, same fescue fairways. And, um, you know, I was just rolling the dice on hoping these irons would work. You know, I didn't know if they were going to work. There was no real answer, and I still need to figure out the answer, even though I struck it really well. But I, I need to know an answer why. You know, I can't just put these irons in and hope they're going to work for the next 15 years. Um, I need answers why. Equipment changes. Everything changes. So um, I'm going to go into a deep dive on, on figuring out why these MC irons, the tailor-made MC, P7MC irons worked um, and just keep moving forward, you know. But, yes, the Scottish was huge. And even after that start, I think I finished with two or three straight birdies, um, built some momentum. Okay, Paul, next, please. 
even with that last week getting a little bit of experience, there is typically more of a learning curve with Lynx Golf. I mean, <clears throat> it's very rare that a guy wins this tournament his first try. How do you think you overcame that? Um, and, and how much different of a style of golf is it from what you're used to? Yeah, you know, you try not to listen to everything when you have a rookie, where it's your rookie year, you know, it's your debut. Um, and if you do, you do, and it sometimes it gets to people. But I truly believe that what I've done over the past two years, every single tournament, maybe not the first two, but, it, you know, when I heard Brooks say at the Travelers Championship, I think, which was my second or my third PGA Tour event as a, as a pro, um, he said he was there to win. You know, when he first turned pro, he was there to make cuts. And then he went to top 30s and top 20s and top 10s. Um, and from that day, I just switched to let's go out and win. Um, so by the time, you know, I was at the PGA last year, I'd already played in these events with all these guys, all the big-name guys, and felt like a normal event. I come out this week. I'm not worried about playing against everyone else. I'm just trying to learn the golf course. And, and learning a Lynx-style golf course is tough because um, there's so many slopes, and I like to know everything. I like to know every little detail possible. Um, but it's hard to do that out here. So you have to be precise about everything, and, you know, that's how I looked at it. You know, it was a challenge, um, and I look forward to it. Okay, I'm going to hand over to Liv to take three questions from Zoom and then try to come back to the room. So, Liv, I'll hand over to you now, please. Thanks, Mike. And our first question is from Mark Canazzaro, please. Hey, Colin, congratulations. Um, can you speak about the seventh hole, just that whole swing there that seemed to swing everything? And, and you know, did you feel, you know, that was that was the spot where you could kind of seize it and, and, and just push forward? Yeah, that wasn't the spot where I could seize it um, because there's just so many holes out there where, you know, you put it in one bunker and, you're going to be chipping out sideways and you're going to try and make safe par, hopefully bogey. Um, but the seventh hole was definitely the turning point. You know, at that point, I felt like I was hitting quality shots. I was hitting good shots to give myself chances for birdie. Um, but to get a good break off the drive, I thought I pulled it left, hit it up short, was about to putt it, chipped it to tap in range. Um, at that point, that kind of got the round started, saw what happened to Louie. I'm not sure what happened with his first bunker shot, um, if he had a tough lie or anything, but... Um, just to have that little switch of a two-shot swing um, kind of got that, that round started and in, in into an, in another, another gear, um, in a sense. Thank you. And our next question is from Andrew Wright, please. Hi, Colin. Um, obviously, unbelievable performance. Um, I'm just wondering, where would you rank that putting display um, today? Uh, definitely one of the best. Um, especially inside 10 feet. I felt like it was as solid as it's, it's going to get. Um, I don't think I really missed many um, from that distance. And especially in a major, you know, I, I think in a major on a Sunday in contention, um, I wasn't thinking about anything other than making a putt. And I, I'm going to tell myself probably tomorrow, why can't I keep doing that all the time? Um, but, you know, I'm going to try and figure out what worked today and and use that for the future because uh, I know I can putt well. You know, I, I know I can putt well in these pressure situations, and I just got to keep doing that. Um, you know, yeah, everything about my stats say, you know, I'm not a good putter and statistically, and I, I feel like I can get a lot better. Um, but in these situations, I feel like everything is thrown off the table. Forget about all your stats, who can perform well um, in these situations. And that's why I think over the past few majors, you've seen a lot of the same names 
up there um, because they believe in their game. They know what they're doing when they practice, and they're able to bring it out in these big moments. Um, and thankfully, I was able to put it out there on Sunday today and uh, close it out. And our next question is from Adam Shupak, please. Colin, playing with Louie both Saturday and Sunday, is there anything you notice difference in his demeanor in his game and in the way he played between yesterday and today? No, not at all. Um, these are the first two times I played with Louie, and Louie is an outright amazing player in person. Um, I hope I get more pairings with him because he's just a great guy to play with. Just everything about it, tempo, just – it's, it's nice to see another guy just stripe it down the middle. I mean, when I watch him play and, and hit his drives, I'm like, wow, like, I want to hit it like that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, Louis consistent. He really is. Um, he's going to keep knocking at these doors, and I'm sure he's going to knock a few more down. Um, it's, just, it's just too good. You know, he just had an unlucky break on seven. You know, we were in the middle of the fairway, and he makes bogey. Um, and just had a couple other bogeys where, you know, I had ca- my caddy, JJ, on, I think, what was it, 15 – or no, sorry, 13, um, I hit five wood off the tee. You know, if he wasn't there, I would have never hit five wood. And that was probably the best decision of my life um, to keep that round going and hit five wood. And I think Lou was in the bunker, had to chip out sideways. But um, Lou is an amazing guy, amazing person, and I was very thankful to, to have a great pairing the final two days. Okay, Michael, we'll take a question from you at the back, please. Colin, many congratulations. I've seen some photos already of you gazing at that trophy, quite lovingly, might I add. Uh, what's the, if you don't mind, what's the first name that's popped off that you have looked at and gone, oh my goodness? And secondly, if I may, your earliest memories of this championship, where the love affair with it began for oh, you? Oh boy. Um, you know, there, there's so many names, I'm not going to pinpoint one. Um, but to be cemented on the Claire Jug with countless names, countless Hall of Famers, countless people that I've looked up to not just from golf, but outside of golf. Um, it's so special. Uh, to be honest, I cannot tell you uh, my earliest memory of the Open Championship. It's just, you know, I didn't watch a ton of golf growing up. I probably watch more golf now than I do because I just I know a bunch of guys and I want to see them play well. Um, but it's going to be up there now. You know, we only get four majors a year, and every single one of them is very special. And to finally play an Open Championship for the first time and win it, um, it's just going to be that much more special. You know, I, I won the PGA, and then coming back as a defending champ, um, you just have a sense of, like, you know, you belong. This is, this is going to be part of you for the rest of your life. The Open Championship is going to be part of my life for the rest of my life, no matter what happens. And to be a part of that history, um, it's awesome. To, to hear champion golfer of the year, oh, chills. <laughs> Next question, front right, please. Colin, congratulations, and funny enough, you mentioned the PGA there. That was done, obviously, with a minimal number of people on site to witness an incredible win. Now you've got for what is also kind of a record, and for golf, 32,000. Maybe if you could contrast that for me, but also whether that made it weirdly easier or harder to close this one out, if you see what I mean. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say either. Um, I hope, you know, the, the thing gets off the table that I can play under fans and I can, you know, play well on a Sunday. Um, but talk about the fans here. They are some of the best fans I've ever seen. Um, they truly understand the game. They appreciate the game. And, um, we owe them a huge thank you because, you know, they cheer us up walking the tees. It's awesome. It's a great energy. And, you know, sometimes you're not smiling and waving everyone, but I embrace it. You know, I take it in and hopefully everyone feels that. Um, but when you hit a tough shot out of the rough and you hit it in the green, they, they actually enjoy that. 
You know, they enjoy tough shots. They appreciate, they applaud um, good shots. So to have fans, it's so good to see people back. I hope everyone stays safe. Obviously, that's, that's the number one goal. Um, but they bring so much energy. You know, we love it. I think every single golfer this week appreciates all the fans here because it's just so much more fun to play in front of. Okay, we have time for two more questions. Chris, then Louis behind. Well, well done, mate. Just quickly on that, did you have something to prove? Did you feel you had to prove something that no. you could do this? Because it clearly you didn't seem like you changed between one and the other. Yeah, no, I, I had nothing to prove. Um, it was just to you guys, so I, I hope, I'm just answering it for you guys um, that you know we can play in front of fans. Um, no, I, I had nothing to prove. I had nothing to prove myself today. I, I knew I, I've been able to do it. I, I've, I've closed out tournaments before. Um, but being in a final group, you know, being in the final group on a major to tap in like that, I have not had that yet in a major, or in a major, but I had it at WGC, but to have this many people here, um, those are the moments you remember on TV, people tapping in for par, birdie, whatever it may be, to win the tournament, to win a major. Um, those are the, the moments and the, the few seconds that you embrace so much. You look around, every seat is packed, everywhere is packed with people, um, that's which whatever it may be head, of, to, win to win the tournament. And I know you measure things like goals differently, maybe than some others. But how do you put them on the shelf now? How do you sort of where to from here? Yeah, you know, this is about the same time that I, I roughly won the PGA going into the last season. You know, I think I went from the PGA straight into playoffs the week after, two weeks after, and you know, I've got a couple events before the playoffs. Um, I really need to sit down and, and talk to my coach on on how to reassess the entire year. Um, I'm not going to throw everything up, you know, throw everything into the trash and, and just say, okay, you know, we're a completely different person. Um, but goals have to change. And I didn't do that last year. And I think that's why, you know, that first week back, everything was kind of tail ending. Um, I don't want to do that this year. You know, I want to finish on a strong note in the season. And um, I'm going to sit down uh, when things slow down, hopefully, and uh, try and embrace that and figure out what, what's next. Okay, Louis. Colin, uh, you talked at the start of how much you love golf and, you know, you've always loved it. Now, has there ever been a day when you didn't love golf? Yeah, yeah. There, there's always those days. Um, I think golf's a love-hate relationship. Um, but every time you're able to tee it up in a tournament, you just love it because every shot's a new challenge, every day's a new challenge, um, and it's all on your own. You know, there, there is a big team supporting me that, that I don't give credit to, you know, or we don't give credit to enough. My family, my girlfriend, agent, sponsors, you know, TaylorMade, everyone down the line, my caddy, coach, um, they all deserve the credit. But when it comes down to it, I'm the one hitting the shot. And um, every shot is just so unique. You know, I, there's not one shot out there that was somewhat similar to any shot I've ever had in my life. And although sometimes they're, they're kind of similar, you know, for example, that 16th hole at Harding Park. Um, it's still a completely different shot. It's a completely different moment. And um, I think enjoying every moment you can, even though sometimes frustrating, uh, you look at some of the best players, their demeanor is that calm, cool, relaxed, um, but they're so driven, right? The end goal is still there. So we've had tough days. We've had, we've had good ones. Um, you try and remember the good, forget the bad, and, and move on. Colin, thanks again for your time and congratulations on a wonderful performance. Well done. Thank you, everyone.